Welcome back to the Daily Thunder Podcast. This is a post-game edition. Oklahoma City drops the game tonight, 103-106 at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I am joined by Daily Thunder beat writer Brandon Rabar. Brandon, how are you? I'm good. What a game. I mean, it was kind of the perfect scenario for the Thunder tonight, I thought. Close, close game. Shot to tie. Falls a little short. I mean, that's not too bad. Well, and especially because, I mean, the Thunder were down to eight players. Three of their four best players were out. They had zero point guards. They had two shooting guards. One of them has played 24 minutes in the past two seasons. Uh, I I just felt like to be tied 103-103 with 25 seconds left and to lose on a last second three to a team who you're battling for a top three pick that currently has a worse record than you. So they get a win, you get a loss and, and you know, you don't feel bad about it because really this was a win for the thunder and a loss for the wolves. When you look at who they had and who the thunder had, the thunder played with so much heart and effort. I mean, it's, it's really kind of an asterisk loss. Like, I mean, really that was a win in more ways than one. And as far as the draft picks go and as far as, who looked better on the court and who did more with less. Yeah, I I was reading some tweets from a couple of Minnesota reporters and they were like that it was at halftime they were like that was a really bad half from the Wolves. Um they looked terrible. Yeah, that I mean it was they they did. I mean I, I get that they don't have Carl Anthony Towns but they still have D'Angelo Russell, who was an all-star two years ago. They have Anthony Edwards, who's a number one overall pick. They have Malik Beasley, uh, who is Scottie Pippen's arch nemesis. <laughs> they have <laughs> – I couldn't even say it right. I didn't think you were going to go there. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I couldn't think of any way to describe him other than that. He airballed <laughs> one. I know he had a great game, but he airballed one three, and I kind of like put my fist and said, for Scottie. Uh, <laughs> When that happened, uh, they have Ricky Rubio. They, they, I mean, they have some good players. They should, when you're playing a team that's down to eight players and it's mostly bench players and third stringers on a team that was purposely trying to tank, you shouldn't have to win on a last second three. Yeah, uh, no, no question about that. Uh, the Thunder were without Shea Gilgis Alexander, Lugans Dort, George Hill. And late scratch, Teo Maladon, that was unexpected. Obviously, we thought going into the game he would be your starting guard. And so the Thunder started tonight. Hamdou Diallo at point guard, Kendrish Williams, Darius Baisley, Isaiah Roby, and Al Horford. The question of the night for you, Brandon, is which starting lineup is worse? The one that started tonight or Reggie Jackson, Jeremy Lamb, Lance Thomas, Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams. This was November 14th, 2014 against the Rockets. Yeah, that's that was a great that was a great pool uh on your part for sure. Uh I got to say tonight. I mean, tonight's lineup, Hamadou Diallo at point guard when we heard that the Thunder were experimenting with him playing point in the preseason and training camp we all kind of rolled our eyes like homie playing point. 
and he started at point tonight. He didn't play just bench point guard. He he started, and then the the starting shooting guard was a power forward. Was a started the season as a third string power forward. Uh, you got Baisley playing out of position at the three. You got Isaiah Roby, who was the third string center to start the season at power forward. And then you got Al Horford, who's obviously awesome. Uh, but other than Al Horford, it's kind of like Michael Jordan and the Toon Squad. I mean, like <laughs> he was Michael Jordan and then the rest of the guys were the Toon Squad. They had no business being in this game at all. Yeah, I, I give... I, you got to tip your hat to the effort, the heart, the hustle, the energy that the Thunder Show and the coaching by Mark Dagnold. I mean, it's just impressive night after night, considering the talent disparity that the Thunder sometimes have against teams and how competitive they keep it. No question. And I I bring up that old starting unit. And, and once I looked at it again, it's it's a no no brainer. But I love referencing that game. 69 to 65 was the final score. Uh, wow. A legendary Thunder game. Um, okay, so we got a new season high, 26 points from Al Horford, eight assists, seven rebounds. We will chalk that up to a podcast bump from uh, our our new friend, Anna Horford. Uh, big shout yeah. out there. Um, yeah. And then uh, new career high, 10 assists for Hamidou Diallo. How about that? First night being the lead guard. Uh, he registers double-digit assists with 16 points. Dude, Hami got double-digit assists in his first game as a point guard. Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think, has one game with double-digit assists. <laughs> and the dude has been a master all season long of getting his teammates involved, getting them set up for wide-open shots, driving and kicking. What? <laughs> just uh, and, and he's playing with better players. Normally, I was... I, I don't know if it was just because it was against the Timberwolves or it was just, you know, Homie just happened to have guys that hit shots tonight. But I, that was my thought. I'm like, good for Homie. But then I was like, come on, what kind of crap luck for Shea? Right. Uh, you know, that, that Homie got the double-digit assist tonight. Looking back at the game, I'm like, how did he even get to 10? Like, it didn't feel like he – it didn't feel like he had 10 or was even close to 10, really. Like, that was a – a very quiet tennis says he almost uh, won that game tonight with a steal on a late uh, inbound pass by the Wolves thrown away. He takes off in transition, and I'm thinking, here we go. This is where this is where Oklahoma City wins it. Yeah, it, it felt. I thought the same thing. Like him doing it, kind of felt like Mike Muscala hitting that three against the uh, Heat in the yes. bubble last year that yes. cost the Thunder their 2020 first round <laughs> draft pick. Uh, that's how I felt. I got like flashes of that when Homie stole that ball in a tie game and started running the floor. Cause really he's been finishing so well at the rim yeah. and it was a fast break and he had teammates with him. Uh, you know, I'm not going to divulge whether I was happy or not that, that they didn't convert that. But uh, yeah, that's what it felt like on that. I, I feel bad for Homie because he didn't convert that. And then he, you know, he hesitated and then missed the last second three you know, in a vacuum, you feel bad for him for those last two plays because he had a great night and he could have, you know, tied the game up or won it on those last two possessions. But to me, it doesn't take away from the great night and really the overall W that the Thunder got from tonight. The quote of the night came from Coach Dagnall after the game, quote, we lost the game, but I felt we took a step forward tonight. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, from, yeah. from on behalf of Team Tank, yes, sir. That is exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> a double, yeah. win, a double win, really, a double win, a loss for Oklahoma City to the hands of the team with the worst record in the West. That is as good as it gets. Yeah, if you're Team Tank, when the Thunder lose to either the Timberwolves or the Pistons or the Wizards, that's just a chef's kiss kind of night. I mean, it, it's no better than that. Those are the teams that you want to lose to this season. Yep. And right now, Oklahoma City is 13th in the West, and they are three, just three and a half back of, uh, of Minnesota, and they play them again tomorrow night. Yeah, if, if they can hand Minnesota another win – and the Thunder get another loss. And I'm curious because Al Horford could rest tomorrow if the Thunder get back one of those guards, one of the other guys, if if Dort or Shea or Maladone come back. Uh, I'm sure Presty is kind of uh, hoping that SGA sits one more night and he'll easily make the trade of Horford for Maladone or Lou Dort. Yeah. Uh, you know, resting Horford. And, you know, take the chances with with that. Because if you give Minnesota another win and you take another loss, I mean, you know, long term, as far as draft picks goes and stuff, that's a big win. And maybe with Cat coming back, he should be back very soon. With Carl Anthony Towns back, maybe Minnesota gets a couple wins. They start feeling pretty good and they feel like maybe they can try to play for the play in and try to get some more wins. They get a little uh, momentum going, hopefully. One can hope. The only... The the interesting thing with Minnesota is obviously Golden State owning their pick outside the top three. So if that pick is is in the top three, they get to keep it. So they do have incentive to keep losing, but they're a team that's got good players. They just drafted number one. They just made a, a trade, obviously, for D'Angelo Russell, traded away that pick uh, and, well, along with Wiggins. Like, it is – it's a team that's looking to win games, and uh, so hopefully tomorrow, we like you're saying, we can uh, do them another favor. Um, so Oklahoma City gets 12 and 10 from Baisley tonight. He didn't have a great shooting night, but I thought his defense was really good, especially in the second half. Yeah, uh, Baisley with the double-double uh, is always nice, but like you said, rough night shooting, but you know, for Baisley lately, he, he's his box scores look pretty solid. Um he had that mini slump. He's been so up and down, but if you look at his defense and the versatility of the guards, that, the guys that he's guarding in and out every night, you, you got to cut him a little slack for nights when he has an off shooting night because he is doing a really solid job on the defensive end. And he's just kind of stretching himself this season. I think the team really wants him to lock in on defense and see what he has there. Uh, and I expect his shooting to con- continue to be on and off. I don't know what kind of shooter Baisley is yet, quite honestly, um, because it's been so up and down. Even last season, uh, he seems streaky. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I-, I still have hope for him because his shot fundamentally and mechanically looks pretty solid. Uh, but I like what I'm seeing on the boards, block shots, and the defensive end from Baisley. Isaiah Roby, I mentioned a couple – a couple games ago, the uh, the idea of him playing the four, um, if it was even a possibility tonight, we got to see it out of necessity. I thought he looked pretty good. Like he's he's a solid shooter. He moves well. He's very very athletic for his size. Like I, I think he's doing a really good job. 
Yeah, I think he is too. And I think it does seem like four would be his natural position just because of his size, not only uh, you know, vertically, but horizontally too. Like he's just kind of a thin guy to be playing the five, but he's made it work because of his skill. He's a mismatch on some nights because of his shooting ability and because of his quickness and agility going up against other fives. But you can still see that him playing the four and then, you know, he's not so overmatched on the other sides that there's a, a guy that can score down low and kind of bully him around. So I feel like ultimately the four would probably be his best position. And, and I thought he looked pretty solid tonight. He finished with 11.7 rebounds, but he added three assists, three steals, and three blocks uh, tonight and was a plus three in the plus minus. Al Horford, a plus 20. That had to have been a game high, right? No. Uh, McDaniels from Minnesota, also plus 20. Uh, pretty wow. insane Like for, for a team that, that loses uh, a, a three-point game to have a guy plus 20. Horford is just phenomenal. He he does so many things well. Look, man, D'Angelo Russell is a 24-year-old rookie that made the All-Star game two years ago, and Anthony Edwards that was the number one overall pick, and 34-year-old Al Horford, who was supposedly washed and on the worst contract in the league, is a better player than both of them right now. I mean, not just tonight. If you look at you know their overall season – and their body of work so far this season, Al Horford is still better than those guys. I mean, Anthony Edwards probably isn't a big surprise, but he's still a number one overall pick. Typically, a guy like that will come in and make a high impact. Uh, I know it was kind of a weak draft. And then D'Angelo Russell, he's just supposed to be better than this. I think it speaks volumes, I think, to, to Al Horford's ability even now that he was the best player on the floor tonight. He does it so efficiently too. 52, almost 53% from the field tonight, 50% from three, perfect from the free throw line. He, he, he's just a very, very efficient player. And every single game we watch from him, I, I think he looks more and more uh, tradable and should, should be such an appealing player to, to playoff teams. He would help practically any playoff team, apparently except for Philly, because they don't know how to use him. Uh, but other than that, he's going to help. And there's a couple of contenders out there that lost centers. Now, it's going to be hard for teams to match that salary. I think that there's a couple teams that could work for, but it's still going to be tough to match that salary and find a team that you know, has the assets and bad contracts to match. I still think it will happen over the summer and not this season. But I wouldn't be surprised when teams see what he can still do. He's shooting 43% from three on high volume, over five shots per game. And you know he's not washed whatsoever. He's averaging 13 points a game, over seven rebounds, like 2.6 assists. Uh, the dude can still play, and he's still playing good defense. Yeah, and uh, boss, I know he, he came from Boston, but um, well, before he went to Philly, but um, they have a massive trade exception and that they opened up from the Gordon Hayward deal, I believe that's where that came from. Um, I, I feel like they're a team that could use his size, his defense and his shooting at that position, because right now they're not getting a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of perimeter shooting from the four or the five. It's ironic. You're right. Because Boston would be the team that could use him the most. They need a center badly. Uh, and honestly, the rest of the team is good enough to compete if they just had a center like Al Horford, who, you know, had, you know, great years in Boston and 
uh, they have that trade it makes sense now danny age is so stubborn with his uh draft picks and his assets and he's so stingy with them i don't know what he'd be willing to give up but i honestly on the other end as great as al horford still is i don't know how much it would take to trade him only because you get off that massive contract and it frees up you know money and flexibility for presti moving forward over the next couple seasons but knowing Presti and what he did with Chris Paul, I think that he'll hold out for assets for Al Horford because he knows that he can help teams compete and contend. If Oklahoma City is on the edge of, uh, of you know, really being a, a bottom feeder team uh, in, r- around the deadline, do you think Presti would attach an asset to to move Horford, never. Presti is never going to attach an asset to get rid. Not during the rebuild, at least. Like you know, if if the team was contending and you needed to attach an asset to you know get a get a player to improve the team or to get off a salary to give yourself some flexibility. But during a rebuild, uh, he's going to be like Scrooge McDuck with his assets. He is not giving any away. He will he will hold on to Horford uh, as long as it takes and not giving up a set, an asset. Absolutely yeah, not. I agree. Um, I'm looking at it now. So uh, Horford's making $27.5 million this year. He gets 27 next year and then 26 and a half the next year. Uh, Boston opened up a $28.5 million trade exception with that uh, Gordon Hayward deal. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, it's and, absolutely perfect. The, it might be a hard pill for Boston to swallow because they had him and let him go. And, you know, when you have an ex, you know, and you have a breakup, you know, you want to get back with him, but do you want to have to... S- you know, spend that much to get back with them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's, know. That's something that I'm, I'm just not aware of is how, you know, what the dynamics were between he and the team, you know, once it got to that point, cause he just, he just, they, they just let him walk, you know, he just signed in, in Philly. So, um, I'm, I, I don't think there were any harsh feelings necessarily, but it was more of like a, you know, like a fresh prince final, they want me man type thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it was just like going different directions. We're getting youthful. We need, we don't want to spend all this money on, you know, I, I just think that that was the idea. They, they knew they're going to need to pay money to Tatum and Brown and they spent the money on Kimba Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I don't think it was anything negative towards Horford. It was just more like we need to allocate the money elsewhere. But now, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for them to take him if they're willing to if they're willing to take on that money and give up even a small asset for him. I think uh, Presti would do it, and and Boston honestly would be one of the favorites in the East that they had him. No question, he's he's just a he's just a fantastic player. Um, all right, I was going to ask you. I I got to talk to um, to Justin about. Uh, his experience at Staples Center. I've I've been meaning to ask you, what's it like at the peak for home games right now? Yeah, it's. I think it's fun. Uh, just being there live, seeing live basketball, even though you know it's an empty arena, and is the cr- fake pumped in crowd noise weird? Yeah, it's weird, but you just kind of get used to it, like anything else. You always get used to anything. Uh, you know, the energy is it low, sure, but those guys are still trying hard. I mean, the effort mm-hmm. is still there. Uh, the 
the Thunder organization is being very safe and taking all the precautions. Like when you walk in, you know, they take your temperature, they give you a mask. If you don't have a mask, they have hand sanitizing stations everywhere. Like you can't go three feet without a hand sanitizing station. Uh, and they, you know, they still give you food, but it's pre-packaged and you have to sanitize your hands before you get them. Uh, there's, there's like six feet in between you and the next media guy. And there's a, like a glass, you know, I don't know, a glass separator between you. So I got to be honest, Steve McGee from channel nine is like my, my seatmate. I, I mentioned that to you last time. Mm -hmm. He's such a nice guy and I like him, but a lot of times we're, we're talking to each other with mask on six feet away and there's fake noise going on or, you know, like Wu-Tang Clan playing in the background. So he's like saying something to me and I say, what? And he says it again. I'm like, huh? And then I just fake it like the third time. If he, he says it again, I just act like I know what he said because I just <laughs> feel bad about it. So he might be saying, uh, uh, oh, man, I got a real headache. You got any aspirin? I'm like, cool, man. Yeah, that's true. I don't so, know. I don't know. So now we know everybody out there, It Brandon's limit is two. If he doesn't <laughs> yeah. hear you. If he doesn't hear you the third time, he's he's going full on faking it, <laughs> full on faking. He's not even absolutely, asked. absolutely. I hope Steve McGee supports Daily Thunder, but I hope he's not listening to this episode. Steve, get him <laughs> back, please. Get him back. <laughs> Just ask him questions all night. Um, all right. So Oklahoma City plays Minnesota to, again tomorrow night. Um, we will be back tomorrow night for another reaction to that game. Also, be sure to go check out the new podcast that just dropped uh, with Al Horford's sister, Anna Horford. It is really entertaining, really fun. Brandon, you guys did a really good job with that. Thank you, man. That was a lot of fun to have Anna on. She was such an open book. She was, she's just fun, charming. Uh, she was delightful. I, she's, I she's highly really recommend funny. anyone she's to listen funny. to it. <laughs> she was, and she, you know, she, she spilled the tea on a lot of stuff. Al Horford coming to OKC in 2016 if KD resigned, her secret crush that she had on a Thunder player for years that she wanted to hook up with. She wanted <laughs> Al to go to OKC so she could meet this guy. Uh, you know, the the Philly fans and how they treated him compared to OKC fans and how they treat it's it's a fun listen. Highly recommend. Thanks, man. It, it is packed. Go listen to it. And uh we will talk again uh tomorrow night. We'll talk again tomorrow night. All right, Thunder fans, thanks so much for listening. Brandon, thank you, man. Absolutely, man. Have a good night, Ryan.